The Conspiracy Podcast contains adult language, suggestive themes, sexual situations, and discussions of some pretty horrific events. Basically, all the good stuff. Thanks for listening. Menacing manicotti, ominous orzo, terrifying tagliatelle, gnarly gnocchi, terrifying tortellini, vicious vermicelli, agonizing annulati, spooky spaghetti, ghoulish garganelli. Welcome to Creepy Pasta. Guess who's back? Back, back again. again. Katie's back. back. Hi, Joe Man. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Just hey guys. Welcome back to Conspiracy. I'm one of your hosts, Slim Shady. Uh, and I'm another one of your hosts, Dr. Renee. What? Yeah. Are you supposed to be Dr. Dre? Yeah. Wow. Fuck you. And <laughs> I'm the one who is locked in the closet last week. Whoop, whoop. Katie. She's trapped in the closet. It wasn't I'm me. R. Kelly. Just kidding. I'm not R. Kelly. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. There's, there's so a midget in the closet. It wasn't me. The only thing I remember about Trapped in the Closet is at some point there is a midget under the sink. Mm-hmm. Yes. Which was amazing. Um, I think we're supposed to say little people. Uh, he's. Yes. However, in the thing, he says it because it rhymes with Bridget. Under the sink. Look under the sink. It's a midget. Don't you go to the closet. Oh my god. Well, anyway. <laughs> she said no, I said yes. She said no, I said yes. And that tells you all about that R. Kelly. That tells you all you need to know about R. Kelly. <laughs> she said, okay, cool. please no, and I said, piss. <laughs> I said, I'm already pissing. Like, why, R. Kelly? Why? <laughs> so this episode got off great. <laughs> <laughs> For real though, that documentary, have you guys watched it on Netflix? Surviving R. Kelly? It's nuts. I know. Nuts. Yeah. It's a lot of his nuts. Because we all know pee is stored in the balls. Eh? Mm. You didn't know that? Pee is stored in the balls? Doesn't it not come from the kidneys? (laughs) Does it come in the balls? That's like squirting though. Is that not the same thing? Piss. I don't know how men's reproductive systems work. When you squirt, you're peeing. No, you're not. Yes, it's you different. are. It's a, it's a there's no there's slight urine in it. There is. That's then you would wait. Hold on, because it doesn't come out of your. It doesn't. So it's coming out of your choochie. So it's coming out of both. Oh my god! There's two holes in one. <laughs> two holes like, in one. Urine comes out of one hole and scoot scooch comes out of the other. Scoot scoot. <laughs> you mean it doesn't even come out? What do you mean, dude? <sighs> 
<laughs> like it's too separate. Is it like uh <laughs> You mean scoot scoot seeps out of the other one? Nothing's flying out. I don't know. I've seen some strippers with ping pong balls. What? Yeah, you haven't heard like they can just like boop, oh. just pop it right out. I mean, I guess, but that doesn't mean you can take your liquid like that and go boop. Like, it's not slime. It like, um, it's not Nickelodeon slime. It's like, it's like the Drano commercials where it's uh, like the white liquid. Yeah, it does come out of your urethra, turtle. but it's not urine. Turtle. It's rather a juice secreted by the skin's glands. <laughs> Tiny structures that drain into the urethra, which are said to be the female equivalent of the prostate. I, me, me tapping on, tapping, going, cat, come get your juice. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Fact. Some women release liquid from their urethra when they climax. This may consist of a small amount of milky white fluid, which technically is female ejaculate. Other women report squirting a much larger amount of fluid, enough to really wet the bed. So, two and one. There's a little bit of piss. It's like the Drano, where it's just like the the white Mm. and the blue liquid twist together to clean out your drain. So... It's a slight golden shower. Just, just, a, just, just, a, just, a, just a tiny, tiny I bit. I mean, but isn't every, isn't every like male ejaculate? Isn't that like fifty percent golden shower because it comes out of the same hole? I mean, I don't. It's not pee. Y'all keep telling yourself they're just, that they're just babies that won't be born. <laughs> Katie, how did it feel to have a vacay? Um, Scout, don't look at me. It was good. Look away. You know. That's good. We missed you. I did miss y'all. Like I said, I was listening to the episode in my car and I was like responding to it like I was there. Casey, <laughs> <laughs> like, what? That's crazy. <laughs> I'm in my car. Mm-hmm. Like when y'all started talking about Midsummer, I was like, you fucking bitches. <laughs> Wait, so what were your amazing. thoughts? I loved it. And then uh, read an article afterwards that was basically like, it's like the perfect like breakup story of and sweet revenge story that I totally could get. Yes. Like every woman I've talked to who's seen Midsummer has told me it's the best movie they've best like horror movie they've ever seen. And every dude has been like, it's the most terrifying horror movie I've ever seen. And I feel like obvious reasons. To me, it's not scary. No, it's not scary at all. To me, it's like amazing. And I'm a scaredy cat. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. Like I told you, like that's how Kat and I are going out. Like for me, it's just like that's. Yeah. For me, it's like, oh, amazing. And then I just uh, dance until I collapse or don't. And uh, you eat food, and then uh, some people get killed. It's great. Renee, can I have some more tea? Can I have some more? Can I have some more? Why don't you tell me about this tea that we're drinking? All right. So this tea is from a company called August Uncommon. They do really amazing blends. So, yeah, I got some of their little sampler packs for us to try, some that I thought might go with the next themes for the like the next six weeks this one is called outlaw and it is a blend of three different black teas okay. with dark morello cherries mm. so it's really it's good. so tasty mm-hmm. i like, love it so it tastes like sweet dark cherry pipe tobacco limestone and ash and on their website it says it feels like riding high in the saddle at dawn 
But I thought, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) But all right, okay. I thought a good smoky black tea would be good for our our creepy pasta stories. Oh my cowboy! Little scary stories on a steel horse I ride. I'm wanted, wanted, dead or alive. So, do we want to talk about what we're doing this week? Yeah, because it's pretty fun. I'm since, sure they can guess. Since it is week four of Spooktober, yeah, and when this is released, it'll be Halloween. Halloween, Halloween. This no. is Halloween, Halloween, mm-hmm. Halloween. Mm-hmm. Everybody mm-hmm. make a scream. This isn't my song. I don't know other word. I just know the music. This is Halloween. Spooky, spooky, scream, scream. There we go. Now it's under. Uh, now it's under fair use law for parody. So we're good. All you have to do is change the lyrics up some and just say I'm that you're making him. a joke. Oh, okay. And then it's just trademark, trademark. This is my song, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> trademark, trademark. We are not doing the real thing. All right. So yeah. So we're gonna be reading y'all some of our absolute favorite spooky stories today. Ooh. You can listen to this before you go out trick or treating, or while you're handing out candy, or when you're at a fun Halloween party. Are on your way home in the Uber, so you don't have to talk to your Uber driver because we've all been there. That happened to me last night. Are I don't s- want to talk to my Lyft driver, and I was just sitting there. And then when we got home, Richard was like peeking out the curtains to make sure I was okay getting out of the car. And when <laughs> I was getting out of the car, shut up. And when I was getting out of the car, the <laughs> Lyft driver was like, "Oh, <laughs> it's like Mike Myers." And then I went, Nyeom! I like ran into the house because I was scared and I was drunk and I was scared because I was drunk and I was like, "What? Just let me in the house." Because <laughs> <laughs> I had watched. Um, they were playing Halloween at City Winery. Oh, that's right! I forgot you went there on uh, last night. Yep. What did you do at City Winery? They were playing Halloween. Oh, 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 shit. So I watched Halloween and ate Parmesan risotto bites and drank wine. They had a wine <laughs> tasting last night and they handed like, it was like a flight of wines. It was like seven different wines and you had a wine for like specific parts <laughs> of the movie. And there was like, when he says... That's the boogeyman, ain't it? You, like, take a drink of that one, and then when he says whatever, you take a drink of the next one. It was really cool. That is really cool. That is. It was good 10 schmeckles. Good on you, City Winery. It was $10 hairs, and then your $10 to get in goes, like, towards your beverage or food. Hmm. Damn. That was I awesome. like it. Yeah. Okay, so I'll go first, because my, uh, my first one is pretty short. Um, I'm not sure who it's written by, because it doesn't say. But it is called... Darkness in the rearview mirror. Ooh. <clears throat> Get a little sip of tea. That sounds terrifying. <laughs> I know. I don't like it because I have to drive when I leave in the dark. You both do. I'm not driving. Look, Area 51, it was hard for me to drive home after that. <laughs> well, just wait. <laughs> just wait until the God end of this one. damn it! Okay. I have always been uneasy driving alone at night. It was worse the first few times when I had just gotten my license, but the nagging fear has never gone away to this day. It's disorienting to look into the mirrors and see nothing, and I mean nothing but the consuming blackness of the night. It makes me hesitant to check the mirrors should I see this dark void, or worse, someone sitting in the back seat staring at me. That's not cool. I have that happen (laughs) to me every day, though. My children. (laughs) Those little demons. (laughs) Look in the rearview mirror and they're just like, 
In the summer of 2013, I found myself driving home alone on Highway 902 from a party. Oh, no. It was almost midnight, and needless to say, it was pitch black. As was usual at night, I was on edge. I had the radio off and could hear nothing but the muffled roar of tires on pavement and the dull hum of the engine. I stole a glance into the middle rearview mirror and saw nothing but darkness through the black window. I know that I looked backward and saw nothing. I'm sure of it. Just the seemingly endless blackness of the night. I remember it so clearly because not 10 seconds later, a car passed me to the left. Headlights on. I had one of those sudden adrenaline rushes like when you think you see a person outside your bedroom window when it's just a tree. Or when you start Mm -mm. awake at night with the feeling of falling. Ten seconds earlier, nothing had been behind me. Suddenly, a car. I drove all the way home shivering and knowing something was off. The next morning, I found two sets of scratches near the back of my van. One was on the left rear, one was on the right. The car was pretty old. They could have been there for months, but that was the first time I distinctly remembered seeing them. In hindsight, there are two possibilities for what happened that night. Possibility one. By some glitch in reality or something paranormal, this other car had somehow appeared behind me within 10 seconds of me checking my mirror, like some weird ghost crap or something. However, no, no, no. the second option is what makes my blood run cold whenever I consider it. It didn't even occur to me until months after the fact, but it makes me dread driving alone at night even more. Possibility two. Mm-mm. The car was normal. It had approached me from the rear and passed me to my left. However, something large and wide and as black as the night (gasps) had been clinging to the rear of my car, obscuring my view through the window and leaving deep scratches on the sides. And I had inadvertently driven it home with me. (gasps) Hell no. Oh my gosh. Get out of here, Satan. (laughs) Well, I guess I'm never buying another car. Thanks. You have to drive tonight. No, I don't. Oh. I have to ride tonight, though, so, I mean, what? I'm the easiest it's target. Gonna... <laughs> That's true. And the passenger seat is the easiest mm-hmm. target. They're going to grab you. I'm in. Okay, I guess I'll go next. <gasps> I'm not ready. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. <laughs> so, I chose... A, so, the one that I chose is actually a six-part uh, series that was actually written into a novel called Pin Pal back in, like, 2012. And the author of the novel is... Dathan Auerbach. Um, oh. Yeah. And his uh, username cool. online is a thousand vultures. Okay. And he posted this story in 2011. And it just like, I mean, if you listen to the No Sleep podcast, they cover, they do a two part series of this and it's amazing. I would read the novel too, but like, it's, it's a creepy story. So Ooh, I'm, I'm not, obviously, in. obviously, I'm not going to read all six parts. So I'm going to read part two, and part two is called Balloons. A couple of days ago, I posted a story called Footsteps here on No Sleep. There were a number of questions that made me curious about certain details about my childhood, so I spoke with my mother. Exasperated by my questions, she said, why don't you just tell them about the goddamn balloons if they're so interested? As soon as she said that, I remembered so much about my childhood that I had forgotten. This story will provide some greater context for the previous story, which I think you should read first. Though the order isn't of vital importance, reading the story first will put you in my place more effectively since I remembered the events of Footsteps first. If you have questions or anything, feel free to ask and I'll try to answer them. Also, both stories are long, so heads up on that. 
I'm just hesitant to leave out any details that might be important. When I was five years old, I went to an elementary school that, from what I've come to understand, was really adamant about the importance of learning through activity. It was part of a new program designed to allow children to rise at their own pace and to facilitate this. The school encouraged teachers to come up with really innovative lesson plans. Each teacher was given the latitude to create his or her own themes, which would run for the duration of the grade, and all the lessons in math, reading, etc. would be designed in the spirit of the theme. These themes were called groups. There was a space group, a sea group, an earth group, and the group I was in, community. In kindergarten in this country, you don't learn much except how to tie your shoes and how to share, so most of it isn't very memorable. I only remember two things very clearly. I was the best at writing my name the right way and the balloon project, which was really the hallmark of the community group, since it was a pretty clever way to show how our community functioned at a really basic level. You've probably heard of this activity, On one Friday, I remember it being Friday because I was excited about the project and it being the end of the week. Toward the beginning of the year, we walked into the classroom in the morning and saw that there was a fully inflated balloon tied off with a string taped to each of our desks. Sitting on each of our desks was a marker, a pen, a piece of paper, and an envelope. The project was to write a note on the paper, put it in the envelope, and attach it to the balloon, which we could draw a picture on if we wanted. Most of the kids started fighting over the balloons because they wanted different colors, but I started on my note, which I had thought a lot about. All of the notes had to follow a loose structure, but we were allowed to be creative with those boundaries. My note was something like this. Hi, you found my balloon. My name is, and I attend, elementary school. Oh no. You can keep the balloon, but I hope you write me back. I like Mighty Max, exploring, building forts, swimming, and friends. What do you like? Write me back soon. Here's a dollar for the mail. On the dollar, I wrote four stamps right across the front, which my mom said was unnecessary, but I thought it was (laughs) genius, so I did it. The teacher took a Polaroid of each of us with our balloons and had us put them in the envelope along with our letter. They also included another letter that I assume explained the nature of the project and sincere appreciation for anyone's participation in writing back and sending photos of their city or neighborhood. That was the whole idea to build a sense of community without having to leave the school, and to establish safe contact with other people. It seemed like such a fun idea. Does not seem safe. Yeah, what the (laughs) Does Uh, not, like, oh my God. They're in kindergarten. Your fucking address. (laughs) Here's my address, come and kidnap me. I'm a small child with no (laughs) sense of Uh, self-defense. Here's my home address. (laughs) (laughs) Over the next couple of weeks, the letters started to roll in. Most came with pictures of different landmarks, and each time a letter would come in, the teacher would pin the picture on a big wall map we had put up showing where the letter had come from and how far the balloon had traveled. It was a really smart idea because we actually looked forward to coming to school to see if we had gotten our letter. For the duration... Sorry, I didn't mean to... So they put the address to the school? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Less creepy. Right. Come up, doctors, all from school. I'm in this classroom. This is my teacher. This is what I look like. Less creepy than being like, this is my home address. Come and abduct me. Here's when I sleep. Just listen, though. Just wait. Okay. For the duration of the year, we had one day a week where we could write back to our pen pal or another student's pen pal in case our letter hadn't come in yet. Mine was one of the last to arrive. When I came into the classroom, I looked at my desk and once again didn't see any letter waiting for me. But as I sat down, the teacher approached me and handed me an envelope. I must have looked so excited because as I was about to open it, she put her hand on mine to stop me and said, please don't be upset. I didn't understand what she meant. Why would I be upset now that my letter had come? 
Initially, I was mystified that she would even know what was in the envelope, but now I realize that, of course, the teachers had screened the contents to make sure there was nothing obscene. But all the same, how could I be disappointed? When I opened the envelope, I understood. I'm just imagining, like, the teachers screening it because there's some perv out there who's definitely going to, like, send a... A 1990s version of a dick pic. Yeah, just like a Polaroid of a dick. There's a pic of me holding some cheese, and right beside it (laughs) is my peen. Which one is the cheese? (laughs) I got a dick cheese. Dick and one hand, and a thing of cheese in the other. How did I take this photo, kids? Is this cheese on my dick, or is this my dick's cheese? (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Is it shaved Parmesan, or is it schmegma Parmesan? (laughs) Is it shaved Parmesan, or am I uncircumcised? All right, we're done. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I hate all of you. Both of you. You hate us and the pumpkin. And man. the pumpkin. Um okay. There is no letter. Oh no. The only oh. thing in the envelope was a Polaroid. Oh no. Oh no. But I couldn't really make out what it was. It looked like a patch of desert, but it was too blurry to decipher. It appeared as if the camera had been moved while the picture was being taken. There was no return address, so I couldn't even write back if I wanted to. I was crushed. The school year passed on and the letters had stopped coming for nearly all of the other students. After all, you can only continue to write a correspondence with a kindergartner for so long. Everyone, including myself, had lost interest in the letters almost completely. Then I got another envelope. My excitement was rejuvenated, and and I reveled in the fact that I was still getting a letter when most of the other pen pals had abandoned their involvement. It made sense that I received another delivery. There had been nothing but a blurry picture in the first one, so this was probably to make up for that. But again, there was no letter at all, just another picture. This one was more distinguishable, but I still didn't understand it. The photograph was angled way up, catching the top corner of a building, and the rest of the image was distorted by a lens flare from the sun. Hmm. Because the balloons didn't travel very far, and because they were all launched on the same day, the board became a bit cluttered, and so the policy for the students still exchanging letters became that they could take the photographs home. My best friend Josh Mm-mm. had the second highest number of pictures taken home by the end of the year. Mm-mm. His pen pal was really cooperative and sent him pictures from Mm-mm. all around the neighboring city. Josh took home, I think, four pictures. I took home nearly 50. Oh, God. The envelopes were all opened by the teacher, but after a while, I stopped even looking at the pictures. However, I saved them in one of my drawers that housed my collection of rocks, baseball cards, comic book cards... And a little miniature baseball batting helmets that I'd get out of the vending machines at the Winn-Dixie after t-ball games. With the school year over, my attention turned into other things. My mom had gotten me a small snow cone machine for Christmas that year, and Josh had really coveted it. What? So much so that his parents (laughs) bought him a slightly nicer one for his birthday, which was toward the end of the school year. This is not cool. (laughs) I'm sorry. But the snow cone machine was. You started just with. I apologize, y'all. I'm I'm ruining the horror. I know. You're not. You're not. You're not. I'm actually. My heart is beating fast. Yeah. Oh, just wait. (laughs) Okay. That summer, we had the idea that we would set up a snow cone stand to make money. We thought we'd make a fortune selling snow cones at $1. Josh lived in a different neighborhood, but we eventually decided that my neighborhood would be better because there were a lot of people who cared for their lawns. The yards in my neighborhood were slightly bigger. We did this for five weekends in a row until my mom told us that we had to stop, and I've only recently come to understand why she did that. On the fifth weekend, Josh and I were counting our money because we both had a machine. We each made a separate stack of money that we put together into one stack, and then we split it evenly. We had made a total of $16 that day. And as Josh paid out my fifth dollar, a feeling of profound surprise consumed me. The dollar said four stamps. 
Do you remember that? Mm, he no. sent he sent a dollar in the mail to his pen pal that said four stamps. Oh. Yeah. Wait, why did the dollar say four stamps? Like, use this dollar to buy oh, stamps. to buy four stamps. Oh, uh. no. Josh noticed my shock and asked if he had miscounted. I told him about the dollar and he said, that's so cool, man. As I thought about it, I came to agree. The idea that the dollar had made it right back to me after changing so many hands floored me. I rushed inside to tell my mom, but my excitement coupled with her being distracted by a phone call made my story incomprehensible, and she responded simply by saying, Oh, wow, that's neat. (laughs) Frustrated, I ran back outside and told Josh I had something to show him. Back in my room, I opened the drawer and took out the stack of envelopes and showed him some of the pictures. I started with the first picture, and we went through about ten before Josh lost interest and asked if I wanted to go play in the ditch. A dirt ditch down the street from my house. Uh, no. Before his mom came to pick him up, so that's what we did. We had a dirt war for a while, but it was interrupted several times by wrestling in the woods around us. (laughs) There were raccoons and stray cats that lived in there, but this was making a little too much noise, and we traded guesses at what it was in an attempt to scare each other. Mm -mm. My last guess was that it was a mummy, but in Mm -mm. the end, Josh kept insisting that it was a robot because of the sounds that we heard. Before we left, he got a little serious and looked me right in the eyes and said, You heard it, didn't you? It sounded like a robot. You heard it too, right? I had heard it. And since it sounded mechanical, I agreed that it was probably a robot. I'm scared. It's only now that I understand what we heard. No. When Ah. we got back, Josh's mom was waiting for him at the kitchen table with my mom. Josh told his mom about the robot. Our moms laughed and Josh went home. My mom and I ate dinner and then I went to bed. My eyes are watering. I didn't stay in bed for long before I crept out and decided that due to the day's events, I would revisit the envelopes since now the whole affair seemed much more interesting. I was always taught to be careful with things that I was collecting, even if I wasn't sure they were valuable. I noticed that the pictures gradually became more decipherable. There was a tree with a bird on it, a speed limit sign, a power line, a group of people walking into some building. And then I saw something that vexed me so powerfully that I can now, as I write this, distinctly remember feeling dizzy and capable of only a single repeating thought. Why am I in this picture? Stop. Ah. Stop. Ah. How did he not notice it first? And this photograph, because remember, he's getting them separately. Like he's getting them at different times, like throughout the school year. And he's he's also only in kindergarten. That's true. He's dumb still. In this photograph of the group of people entering the building, I saw myself holding hands with my mother in the very back of the crowd of people. We were at the very edge of the photo, but it was undeniably us. And as my eyes swam over the sea of Polaroids, I became increasingly anxious. Mm -mm. It was a really odd feeling. It wasn't fear. It was the feeling you get when you are in trouble. I'm not sure why I was flooded with that feeling, but there I sat, floundering in the distinct sense that I had done something wrong, and this feeling only intensified as I looked on at the rest of the photos after the one that had so powerfully struck me. I was in every photo. Mm -mm. None of them were close shots. None Mm -mm. of them were only of me, but I was in every single one of them, off to the side, in the back, bottom of the frame. Some of them only had the tiniest part of my face captured at the very edge of the photo. But nevertheless, I was there. I was always there. I didn't know what to do. Your mind works in funny ways as a kid, but there was a large part of me that was afraid of getting in trouble simply for still being up. Since I already had the looming feeling of having done something wrong, I decided that I would wait until tomorrow. The next day, my mom was off work and spent most of the morning cleaning up around the house. I watched cartoons, I imagine, and waited until I thought it was a good time to show her the Polaroids. 
When she went out to get the mail, I grabbed a couple of the pictures and put them on the table in front of me as I sat waiting for her to come back in. When she returned, she was already opening the mail and threw some junk mail into the trash can, and I said, Mom, can you come here for a second? Mm-mm. I have these pictures. Just give me a minute, honey. I need to make, I need to mark these on the calendar. After a minute or two, she came and stood behind me and asked me what I needed. I could hear her shuffling with the mail behind me, but I just looked at the Polaroids and told her about them. As I explained more and pointed to the pictures, her frequent uh ahas and okays decreased, and she was suddenly completely quiet and only making a little noise with the mail. The next noise I heard from her sounded as if she was trying to catch her breath in a room that had no air left in it. At last, her struggling gasps were conquered, and she simply dropped the remaining mail on the table and ran to the kitchen to get the phone. Mom, I'm sorry. I didn't know about these. Don't be mad at me. With the phone pressed to her ear, she was walking and running back and forth and shouting into it. I nervously fiddled with the mail sitting next to my Polaroids. The top envelope had something sticking out of it that I thoughtlessly and anxiously pulled on until it came out. It was another Polaroid. Confused, I thought that somehow one of my Polaroids had slipped into the stack when she threw the mail down. But when I turned it over and looked at it, I realized that I had not seen this one before. (gasps) To my dismay, it was me. But this one was much closer. I was surrounded by trees and was smiling. (gasps) But it wasn't just me, I noticed. Josh was there too. (gasps) This was us from yesterday. I started yelling for my mom, who was still screaming into the phone. I repeatedly yelled for her until she finally responded with, What? And I could only think to ask, Who are you calling? I'm talking with the police, honey. But why? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do anything. She answered me with a response that I never understood until I was forced to revisit these events from the earliest years of my life. Mm -mm. She grabbed the envelope off the table and the picture of Josh and I spun and slid landing next to the other Polaroids in front of me. She held the envelope up to my eyes, but I could only look at her and watch as all the color began draining out of her face. With tears welling up in her eyes, she said that she had to call the police because there was no postmark. Okay, so that only took me 15 minutes to read. Um, Holy shit. Do you have any, like, do you have any thoughts on, like, who you think it was? Like, just someone that knew. But it had to be someone that knew about the program. Yes. I mean, I've already I've already listened to it. All oh, so you know. Parts. I know how, oh. how, how this all plays out. But, like, it's, like, ah, like, for real. That the is stories. fucking creepy. Oh. Bless yeah. you. That is fucking creepy. Uh, y'all need to listen to it. Okay. It's insane. It was on No Sleep? Yes. Okay. That's a good podcast. I had to stop listening to it because I was getting that scared. Like, yeah, oh, I was yeah. getting so scared oh, yeah. that I couldn't listen to it anymore. Okay. So, I don't know. Well, I guess you guys both cheated and know things about this already. I know a little bit, but I mean, like I didn't, I didn't read cheat. stories about just it. Kidding. I just saw a movie about it. I accidentally listened to one story. Okay, okay, okay. And like, I'm pretty sure since it was like, a Hulu Halloween movie. I'm pretty sure it wasn't like factually correct. True, true. In true. all areas, which true. is how I prefer my things. Okay. So I'm very excited. I first heard about this like when it happened to her. No, hell no. If this ever happened to me, I'd be dead. I would have <laughs> killed myself. So I am doing B E K, otherwise known as Black Eyed kids oh i was like blind i was like bind electrocute kill is this a killer i haven't heard about it is the killer you haven't heard about okay children tell me more tell me more 
Like, does he have a soul? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So for those of you who may not know or may have never heard of this, um, black-eyed children or black-eyed kids are a contemporary legend of supposed paranormal creatures that resemble children between the ages of 6 and 16 with grayish pale skin and black eyes. And we're talking like no whites, mm-hmm. no pupils, just literally like a black void. Ooh, I hate them already. Who are reportedly seen hitchhiking, panhandling, and approaching doorsteps. I'm going to get into my theories and like weird evidence at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically the gist is like kids, they're usually in pairs. They look very out of place. Okay. Just imagine, like, Wednesday Adams, I guess. <laughs> but I love Wednesday Adams. I do, too. But, I mean, like, imagine her like with... The, the shadow version. Exactly. Okay. Like, nega Wednesday. Version. So, what I wanted to do was just read a few stories from least to most scary, in my okay. opinion. All right. So, here we go. This one I got from Reddit under the uh, Black Eyed Experience thread. <clears throat> he says I guess I shouldn't gender assume I think it's a guy he's a he for now okay all right I embarked on a quest I would show people just how unscary these things were whatever they were who knew if black-eyed kids was even a real thing I began putting up an anonymous ad on Craigslist it read black-eyed kids I am not afraid of you I want to meet you <laughs> Wow. 9 p.m. Wednesday. The park bench on the corner of 3rd and Washington. Show me why I should be afraid. Mm, I want balls like that. I know. And the dark web got a hold of that and had a failed day. The bench was only like a block from my apartment. Stupid decision, by the way. Oh, yeah. Stupid decision. Okay. stupid. So every Wednesday, I would walk down there and see if anyone or anything came by. I usually wouldn't sit there. I never went all the way to the bench. I would go somewhere close by and watch the bench. Okay, well, that's smart. Yeah. I may not be afraid for black-eyed kids, but I do know that the internet can attract some nuts. And it did. Occasionally. Nothing exciting enough to write about. Just a couple of pervs and some teenage kids joking around. So this went on for a few months, and I stopped posting the ad. (laughs) The week I stopped, I got a knock on my door. No, don't answer it. (laughs) I was sitting on my couch, and it was a little bit after 9 (gasps) p.m. On a Wednesday. (gasps) I don't know how to explain it, but the second... (gasps) Okay, sorry. I'm scaring myself. (laughs) (laughs) Liz is going to run out of here in the middle of telling her story. She's not even going to be able to finish. My eyes are watering I don't know how to explain it, but the second I heard that knock, my skin went ice cold. I touched my forehead, and it literally felt like snow. Ooh. I didn't need to get up. I knew who it was. And much to my surprise, I was terrified already. I was wrong about not being afraid of black-eyed kids. 
the fear is on a different level an instinctual primal level Mm -hmm. something i can never explain and i had once described myself as the most skeptical person i knew i managed to get up and open the door first of all what what the fuck what you don't say he was there you don't say i didn't order do you not have a peephole you live in an apartment yeah (sighs) this person dumb i know Okay, I managed to get up and open the door. And yep, there was a kid, about 10 years old, olive skin, dark hair, looking down. Mm. In a monotone voice, can I come in? He said, I was speechless. After what seemed like an eternity, (laughs) okay, sorry, I responded with a no and began closing the door. He stuck his foot in it. We missed you at the park tonight. No. The boy said. Something stopped me from closing the door and I looked up at him. Those eyes have been watching me. I felt it as soon as I looked at him. His eyes were as black as the night sky. Voidless. He smiled and tilted his head. Like he knew exactly what he had just done to me. It took everything I had to make my arms move again, pushing the door closed and locking it shut. As soon as I shut the door, I gasped for air. I sat back against the wall, facing the closed door, holding my cell phone. Knock, knock, knock. He was still there. I waited, and nothing. It took me two hours of him knocking about every five minutes for me to move from that spot, staring at the the door. I didn't sleep that night or the next night. Eventually, I collapsed with exhaustion at my desk at work, only to be awakened 30 minutes later by the nightmare memory of that boy. It's been six months. I can't explain the fear that washes over your body when you feel them coming. I hadn't even seen him yet, and I had never been more afraid in my life. The state of my mind, the way my body wanted to listen to what he was telling me, the way I wanted to let him in. I thought if I told you my story, it would help me get over what happened and warn others. I'm positive that whatever this is is evil, and the people that they meet, who can't resist whatever power they wield, I don't think we will ever hear from those people. I now avoid that corner park bench with everything I have, and I don't tell anyone why. I walk three blocks out of the way every day to make sure I don't go near it. But you'd be the same way if you went through what I did. If you went through what I went through. Black-eyed kids are nothing to mess with. Mm-mm. I thought you said it was least to most terrifying. Oh, I did. Jesus Christ. God damn it. <sighs> My whole body is, like, shaking. And I already, like, typed this. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Jesus. Are you ready for another one? I guess. Okay. I was 11 years old, and I had woken up early. Around 6 a.m. It was during the summer at this point, so daylight was quite visible in my house. I groggily walked out of my room and down to the first floor, not really thinking about anything. I then stop at the foot of the stairs. Okay, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) At least we know something's coming. I I know, I'm trying to stop, but that's like, I literally can't even stop myself from making those noises because I'm just like so not into this. Okay. 
I groggily walked out of my room and down to the first floor, not really thinking about much. I then stop at the foot of the stairs as I feel something is watching me. No. From the stairs, I can see a girl in a white dress with messy black hair. She was standing outside, peeking in the little windows next to our front door. Her hair was partially covering her face, but I could see one thing that scared me. Those eyes. The void that they were, empty and infinite. That is what scared me shitless. Did she shit her pants? Probably. (laughs) I ran to the bathroom nearby and slammed the door shut. After looking into the mirror, I saw her behind me. I passed out. I woke up some point later and the girl was gone. After that, I've been prone to passing out every time I look in my bathroom mirror as if she knew exactly what she had done to me. Every time I wake up with a nosebleed. Mm, Like every time they look in their bathroom mirror? They pass out and they wake up with a nosebleed. Jesus Christ. Yeah. That's nuts. Why? He, it's, it says, I can look at any other mirror in my house. I can look at myself in public bathroom mirrors. I can look at myself in bedroom mirrors. I have to get ready in my bedroom, do my hair in my bedroom. Because if I'm in any bathroom alone and I look in the mirror, I will pass out and my nose will bleed. And I can see her from when I was six years old. Jesus Christ. God damn. I have seen her a number of times since then. And my little brother, who is now six years old, has seen her now. Mm. <gasps> yeah. No. And she's not aging. <laughs> Who are these evil creatures? We're going to get there. So there's that one. Oh. I didn't like that. Mm. I know. It's like a it's like the opposite of the Fuller Express. I know. <laughs> like what the f- <laughs> I would much rather, like, not hear jingle bells anymore than start seeing a ghost at a certain age. Tom Hanks, where are you? Don't wake me up out of bed. Please. (laughs) Save us creepy CGI Tom Hanks. I like creepy CGI Tom Hanks. I do, too. I like Tom Hanks in general. Yeah, that's true. Sleepless in Seattle gets me like nothing else gets you, okay? (sighs) That is Tom Hanks. I don't know why I thought that was Billy Crystal. That's when Harry met Sally. Yes. Same girl, though. Yes. Meg Ryan, the queen of 90s rom-coms. Yes. Because her and Tom Hanks are sleepless in Seattle and you've got mail. Yes. Yeah? Okay. When Harry met Sally is my favorite, though. Yeah, it's a good one. I ball my eyes out all the way through every time. Really? Yep. Look, I'm I'm relentless. I'm helpless. (laughs) That's fine. That was our nice little, like, breath of fun 90s rom-com air before we pee ourselves again. Please don't pee in your seats. I will pee in my seat. If you must pee yourself, bathrooms are located here. Oh, thank you for flying. So what is that really shitty airline? Spirit. Yeah. <laughs> Frontier. <laughs> Both. If Frontier must, is awful, If too. you must pee yourself, the chair, your seat doubles as a flotation device. Dear so God. just let it go. Just pour, press the button. Flotation device. Yeah. Ah, kill me. Ridiculous. You're welcome. I used to study German last year. It was in a public school not too far from my home. I lived alone. It was a peaceful neighborhood where everyone was familiar with each other. I usually walked home. I didn't have a car or a bike, so there's no way that I could give someone a ride. That day, it was cold and seemed like rain was coming. It was about 6 p.m. 
When I reached the bar a few minutes from home, I felt weird. I was feeling watched and somewhat uncomfortable. I looked behind me and attempted to see something from the glass of the bar, but couldn't see anything. Right at that moment, I opened my purse and took the gate key out of it. I was holding the key and walking while closing my purse. The feeling of being watched remained, but now I was ready to give it a go and get home at any minute. What the face? You're scared? Yes. Oh, sorry. I'm scared and perplexed. When I looked up, I saw what seemed to be like a woman and two kids. <laughs> but when I got close, I could see that it was a taller kid and another girl and a boy. I felt uneasy, but I couldn't explain to myself why. It was just a kid, right? It felt so unreal. I can't describe what I'm feeling. I kept walking and was getting closer to them. I literally stopped in my tracks because there was something that was disturbing me so greatly that I literally couldn't move my feet. The taller girl just looked at me. She seemed relieved that she could get me to stop. Oh my god. I don't see anything from a distance, so I couldn't really get a good glare at their eyes yet. But when she approached, I saw. Her eyes were totally black. She had on she had a very low hairline, and her face seemed really, really young. I wondered for a moment on why such a young girl could be so tall. Her eyes scared me, but I thought to myself, maybe she was wearing contact lenses or, like, funny makeup to make her seem like maybe she was, like, younger or something. I didn't know. Maybe it was a prank that had gone wrong or a health problem. Are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't move, <clears throat> so when she got closer, she started to talk to me. I felt a little dizzy and like something was smelling very, very peculiar. She said, please, can you help us? We are lost and need to get home. We don't want mom to get worried. I looked at them, looked at her, looked at them. None of them looked alike. The short girl seemed to be about six years old and had an Asian appearance. The boy, who seemed to be just a little bit older than her, was pale with blonde hair. And the tallest kid, who was a teenager and a child at the same time, had a very dark complexion with the black eyes. I asked her where she lived because I was totally sure I'd never seen these kids before. She repeated myself. She repeated herself, sorry. I need your help. You will help us. She said that they just needed to help find a phone booth and call their mom. She said it in such a weird manner that I felt like it was a lie. It was such a clear voice and it was so monotone. It was almost like she was moving her lips and somebody else was speaking. She asked me what was wrong. I said nothing. She smiled and said, That would be good, at least, if I could walk her to the phone booth. She told me that the youngest girl had the phone number and it would take only a few minutes. The younger one seemed to turn robotically and walk in another direction towards a phone booth in the corner. The second she saw that I was watching her, the other one reached out and touched my face. <laughs> The second kid was so creepy, she was hiding her eyes, but I just knew that they were black as well. She also behaved in a strange manner and didn't seem to be comfortable with her own neck. 
I know that sounds crazy, but it just felt like she felt like she was not in her right body. Ooh. I stepped backwards and said sorry to them, but I couldn't help. I said I was in a rush and that I needed to get to work. I remembered that I was holding on to the key and the taller girl was just looking at it. I followed her gaze and said, yes, I'm going to work to get things done. I really can't help you. She got angry. The taller girl looked at me and shook my shoulders with a very angry expression and said, you will help us. I felt scared. No, bitch, I won't. The taller girl turned. (gasps) What? (laughs) What was that? (laughs) (laughs) The taller girl turned and looked at the two younger kids. And all at the same time, they all turned in the exact direction of my home. No. Which they were not currently facing. So, like, she had to literally, like, these these kids just, like, stared at her. And then they were, like. They just stared, like, exactly where she lives. Oh, God, no. I literally started sprinting back to the bar and went inside. I felt so scared because they seemed to know my every move. They seemed to be waiting. At one point, I was talking to some friends, and I turned around, and they were outside the (gasps) bar staring in. Oh, my God. Eventually, a couple of hours later... I went outside, and they were gone, and I was walking in a big pack, and eventually I could get someone to take me home in this big group. I had never seen them again. What? I thought they just hung around. Don't they hang around? Yeah, but I think because the group was all there, that they were like, eh, we'll give up. But don't, I thought they didn't give up, though. Like, from the first story. I know. But I'm wondering, we'll get to this later, but I'm wondering if my theory on what and who and how and why these things mm-hmm. are what they are, if they were just like, and like, system overload, go find <laughs> another victim, like, well, too many humans. Well, I think in the first one, too, like, the guy sought them out and, like, summoned them, so to speak. Yes. Like, he asked them to come. He went away an hour later. Hmm? Remember? In the first one, he went away an hour later. Two hours later. But That's I thought true. He had, he, oh, yeah, they were staying there for I an thought, hour. I yeah. thought he had issues ever since. Well, yeah, yeah. but with this girl, I mean. She didn't have issues. Or she can't tell you what they are. Oh. She's fucking dead. Oh, okay. R.I.P. <laughs> or, or, she, or she died. That's why we don't know. I never saw them again until they killed me. <laughs> So this one was fairly recent, and the encounter that I had reminded me of BEK in a subreddit that I had explored years ago when I first heard about this phenomenon, and now that I'm looking back at what happened to me, I know that that is exactly what I experienced. One year for spring break, I went to my dad's for the week, and I had nothing to do. So late at night, I liked to walk through town walk through the neighborhood, and just be by myself. Yes, I know that seems dangerous, but I only had one friend here, and we had opposite spring breaks. Anyways, Sunday night, I was out on the town alone, and I left a little pub I had found on Main Street that sold an ale that I liked. It was around 1 in the morning. Wait, this is a teenager? I think he's a college kid. He's obviously drinking age. Oh, okay. Well, okay. He could be somewhere foreign. He might be 18. I don't or know. Could just be I just drinking. said drinking age. I didn't have a big ID. I was wearing a large black sweatshirt and dark jeans. 
so that I would look inconspicuous. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I was walking back home in the dark with my phone out as a flashlight on my street. There are limited street lights on this street. This is a very quiet, small town, and though it is a relatively safe neighborhood, I figured nobody else would be out, and I could just walk home peacefully. I was about three houses away from mine when I looked over and saw two figures on the porch talking to a man who was shaking his head and refusing to open the screen door. I stopped cautiously at the end of his driveway, holding my phone out, ready to help or call 911 or something because I had no idea what was happening. I could only think that maybe these two people were harassing the man who looked startled and angry. Now, by no means would I have been able to help. <laughs> I'm 5'5 five five and roughly 130 pounds <laughs> and have no fighting skills. But I felt Just like... putting it out there. But Did I felt know? like maybe my hoodie made me look rougher, so I stood there <laughs> watching with caution. <laughs> I'm wearing a sweatshirt. I'm rough and tough. <laughs> I'm rough and tough and shop at the Gap. <laughs> So I was standing there. Then all of a sudden I heard the voices. Two kids it sounded like. And I stepped forward again. Curiosity at this point. Now I was wondering if the old man was harassing the two kids. I felt anxiety pumping through my veins as I involuntarily moved forward. I was halfway up his driveway and illuminated by the porch light so he could see me and I could see him. And he stood there watching with his eyes huge. Let us in. We need to call our mom. Please, you have to let us in, is what the voices said in unison. No, 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 no. If something is talking in unison, you just hand them get your cell phone. out. No. From a normal point of view, it would look as if a grown man was refusing two children the help they needed in cases of an emergency. A heartless man, helpless children, but the sense of dread and anxiety that at that moment filled my senses, it just didn't make sense. Mm. This is what's common with all these stories, is whenever you see even the back of the kids or they come near you, you, you like are paralyzed. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's like really crazy. Okay. Why was I so afraid? I wasn't drunk. I wasn't high. I was looking at these kids and I was scared. I finally cleared my throat, figuring maybe, just maybe, that if this man wouldn't help the kids or if the man needed help, I could still do something. The man looked up at me, and the kids turned around. The man looked even more afraid for some reason. He, at that point, let out a yelp and slammed his door shut, making me jump. First of all, (laughs) he just, like, passed them off. He's like, ah, not my problem, bye. (laughs) (laughs) It's your problem now. See you later. (laughs) The kids looked at me, and I looked straight at them, every instinct telling me to make a run for it, but I literally could not move my feet. I was almost home, three houses down. I knew for a fact that the door was unlocked. I could just run in. <sighs> Why was the door unlocked? Why was the door unlocked? This probably isn't the Midwest. Well, the more he talks, small, small yeah, the more I'm like, oh, okay, he's clearly a good old like, That's right, Ohio boy. we never boy. learned anything from the serial killers around in the 60s and 70s. Let's continue to keep our doors For real. unlocked. Have you even seen Halloween? <sighs> Anyways. All right. The kids came closer, becoming more seeable in the light. That's when I realized they had no white in their eyes. Just black. Ooh. They slowly came toward me, not asking me anything about help, but looking slightly confused and like I had barged in. 
I feel so stupid saying this, but I didn't run. I wanted to, but I was compelled to stay until the taller child was right in front of me. I literally could not move my feet. He was only a few inches shorter than me, and I glanced down at him in a startled moment, and he stared back up at me. We have to use a phone, he said finally. His voice was eloquent, if I can describe it like that. He sounded like a grown man. He knew what he wanted, and for being alone with a stranger at 1 a.m., he did not sound afraid. I don't have one, I said back. This time I backed up, not wanting to be that close, but I still couldn't run. Please, can we come in and use the phone? We need to get a hold of our mother, he said. I knew he was lying. Something told me he was lying. So I lied. I shrugged. I don't have a phone, and I don't live on this street or anywhere near here. I'm sorry. I'm in the same boat as you guys. My ride ditched me, and I'm just walking until I find a phone. Maybe they would leave me alone if they figured out that I had nothing. Please help us. We need to be let in. The young boy repeated and pointed to my dad's house. No. Oh, God. No. I said, try another house or a payphone. I have change that you can have. The other one said, forget that. I finally said, I wish I could help you. I know that I look younger than I appear. So maybe they figured I was only a teenager and they simply both nodded. I oh, said, yeah. five five, one hundred and thirty-five pounds. I know. You Poor look like a guy. teenage boy. I have to go. I said, "Good luck." With that, I turned and walked in the direction I came, not running back towards town. I just kept thinking they can smell fear. They can smell fear. They can smell fear. I kept walking and walking, and I knew they were staring at me. I just kept thinking. Don't reach for your phone. Don't run. Don't look back. That's it? No. Oh. Sorry. <laughs> the porch light was on when I turned back around about seven blocks later. I came back from a different direction. I walked hesitantly up my street, the back way, looking for those damn kids and not seeing anything until I reached that house again. The porch light was on, and the man was standing there with the door open, screen door closed, holding a baseball bat, and he was visibly shaking. I looked at him confused until I realized I looked like one. Did the kids leave, I called out, hoping that my voice would help him relax. The ones that you were with earlier? <sighs> I stepped closer, and he jumped back. No, the ones who were outside that talked to me for a few minutes and they wanted to call their mom. Did they leave? Do you know if they left? I could hear my own voice trembling and I think this is what broke his trance. I watched them walk away earlier. He pointed in another direction from which I had just walked. <gasps> I feel so uneasy. I won't let you in. I have to go home. I'm so sorry. I feel so uneasy. I won't let you in. I have to go home. But I didn't understand what he was saying because he was already in his house. What? I don't go to my dad's often, so it makes sense that maybe he thought that I was one of them, but I was looking him in his eyes and he could see that I had normal eyes. Mm -hmm. He slammed the door. I walked home, determined to make it there. I got there safe, no freaky things. <laughs> I locked the door and sat in the kitchen for a long time. I was afraid to go into my room, which was on the first floor mm -hmm. and had a huge window. 
Mm. No blinds, no curtains? I don't know. All I know is the window. I I would hope that you know, some uh, middle-aged people would put curtains in their freaking first floor windows, but you know, people are nuts. That's true. The scary part is, the night later, there's a knock at the door no. at 11 p.m. <gasps> That's how he ended it. What? That's yeah. how he... <sighs> You're fired. So the day later, a day later, they were at his house knocking. No. No, thank you. No, thank you. I have a full supply of Thin Mints, and we are Amish, so bye. Like, what do you even do? Yeah. What do they want? Your fucking soul. Okay. (laughs) I'm going to figure, I'm going to figure it out. I have one more, and it's shorter, but it's the best one, in my opinion. Okay. So this last story is one about a woman who made the wrong choice. Oh, damn it. Okay. It was a blizzard outside. Two oh, kids were... St- huh? That's why. I know, right? Stupid. God damn it. Weather? If I was a black-eyed kid, you think I would go somewhere where it blizzards the fuck? No. I'm, go- I'm going door-to-door in Hawaii. Okay? <laughs> you think they can feel pain? I'm about to listen. I mean, you're about to know. You're okay. about- I'm about to listen. Ow. You okay? Pinch my fingers. I hate when that happens. Pinched them. Okay. It was a blizzard outside. Two kids were standing outside of my door, and they were not dressed for the cold at all. Short sleeves, regular jeans, no gloves, no hats. That's like your first sign, though, that something is wrong. Mm-hmm. I could tell that they were 100% unbothered by the below zero temperatures. Second thing to let you know there's something wrong. Three children asked me in unison and in the same monotone voice, Can I come in? Three. Can I? That's three. That's strike three. Something is off. Can I come in? I let them in. As soon as I let them in, I could tell my cats were pissed. They were yowling and hissing immediately, and all of a sudden, they ran away as soon as the kids looked at them. So it's like they also control animals. Because, like, they looked at the cats, and the cats ran away. What (laughs) the actual fuck? They're like, Mm -hmm. and we're out. (laughs) (laughs) My salmon pate? It's upstairs. I gotta (laughs) get back to that. So I'll just see you guys later. (laughs) We protect her with our lives. Oh, just kidding. We'll be upstairs if you <laughs> I asked them if they wanted hot cocoa because it was so cold. And they answered in unison, our parents will be here soon. I came back in with Coco, and that's when they looked at me for the first time with their cold, black eyes. No, thank you. I was immediately filled with dread that I could not explain. I couldn't move. I couldn't blink. I was just standing there. After what felt like a literal eternity, they all said in unison, Can we use the bathroom together? I showed them the bathroom down the hall 
Why is she so compliant? I'm very confused by this lady. Why is she making them cocoa? Why is she letting them use her toilet? They're going to crawl in and then snatch her soul through her snatch. Wait, like like an ABCs of death? Yes. Yes. Cool. And as they passed my husband, his nose started to bleed immediately. Fuck that. The power went out as soon as they closed the door to the bathroom. Those fuckers. As I got my husband a tissue, I turned around and they were right behind me. They pee quickly. When I walked past them, they turned around, walked out the door, and said, Our parents are here. Thank you. And left. Leaving the door wide open. Rude. It's a blizzard outside. (laughs) So... Would you like to know what happens if you let them in? It's like a vampire. They turn your power off and give your husband a nosebleed. Would you like to know? Or not? No, we want you to leave us hanging. Two months later, my husband was diagnosed with an aggressive skin cancer and passed away. Holy Jeez. shit. Two months. They gave him a tumor. Ah. As soon as he died, this was about four months ago, I have started to bleed from my nose weekly. And excessively. So they give you epistaxis. It's radiation, I think. Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, Liz theory. Were the BEK created by aliens to do research and emit radiation to humans? Ooh. Oh, my God. And here we are. American Horror Story tying it all together. Tied to Area 51. You're welcome. All I'm saying is, they want them to look like kids. Yeah. But they kind of look like short grays. Right. Gray skin, black eyes. Mm-hmm. So they're like humans mm-hmm. to where you want to at least approach them. Yeah. And everyone that has ever let them in, all the stories I read that I didn't share, everyone's getting nosebleeds, everyone's getting weird cancer things, like, or some sort of, a, like, a tumor, maligmas, oh, like... Jeez. I'm thinking it's aliens. Maligma. My mom suffered from nosebleeds like, uh, years ago. Like maligma balls. Wow. What am I saying? It says something. There's a ma- malignant. Malignant something. I don't know. I read a bunch of stuff. Well, so Karen let them in. That's fine. That's what I'm thinking. She must <gasps> oh, have. God, Karen, and the last little uh, lovely blurb I had is from someone who also had let the bek into her house. No. She didn't share the story. Uh, She said she would do that at a later date. But she said, They knocked me out unconscious. And when I came to, I saw creatures with black eyes staring over me. I was on a table. She's being probed. As I looked to my left and right, I saw children growing in tubes with human hair and plugs in their black eyes. Dude. Okay, but what is the what is the, when I what? turned to my right, he said, "Do you like my children of the future?" That is that's some fire in the sky weird. shit. That's all. By the way, have y'all have that's y'all all. watched Fire in the Sky yet? No, no but I have goosebumps on my entire body. <laughs> you guys need to fucking watch Fire in the Sky. Yes, what what are the type of particular. people that they're that they're looking for? Humans in general, like they're approaching yeah. teenagers, they're approaching old men, they're approaching married, like they're approaching everyone. Yes, yeah, so there's people like, that seem like just I mean, 
Just don't let them in. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no. That's why they get pissed because they get immediately angry if you don't let them in. Yeah. But then they get really aggressive. So, like, what? They can't force themselves in? Mm -mm. No. You can just ignore them and try. But if you go outside, then they can attack you. Can they? I believe so. I've seen. I don't they know. weren't. I've I think. One movie. I mean, I in my from what I've been reading for the last like couple of weeks, I f- I feel like they have to actively ask you for something, and then like you have to deny them multiple times, and like mm-hmm. unless you turn from them and like run away, I don't think that they. I don't think so, they do anything if you like actively also, try and get away from them. Okay, your turn, Renee. Okay, <clears throat> me. So, we're going to go to a different part of the world. We're going to go to um, some college students on a trip in Mexico. Oh, no. A guide. Oh, no. So, the book is called called Come the Chupacabra. Fucking Christ. And it is by someone named Fionn Rice. Probably going to pronounce it wrong. Sorry. How do I spell it? The last name. R-H-Y-S. Rees. Fionn Rees. Rees. Maybe Rees. Yeah, the first name is F-F-I-O-N. Anyways. Well, good luck with that. So, I'm starting about halfway through it because the first part is, like, they, they don't quite run into the chupacabras yet. A lot of chupacabras. Obviously, you know there are chupacabras because, like, whatever. Obviously. So, base, I'm starting at Chapter 9, and what has happened so far is this group of college students are on a tour in Mexico for like spring break or whatever. Got it. And they get attacked by this weird gang. And basically the chupacabras like kind of save them, but also kind of injure them in the process. So this is when, ah, hold on. Got moved a little bit. There we go. So this is when the main character, main ish character, Brie, she's like the protagonist this is when she, like, has been hurt in her shoulder by the chupacabra mm. and then gets knocked out. Oh, I like it. So, it was warm when Bree woke, and through slitted eyes, light from a fire painted shapes onto the trees. Still night then. Memories crashed and Bree jumped up. Monsters. Ah. An ocean of pain shot through her shoulder and arm, and she cried out and sunk to her knees. A hand found her. Pretty much every name I'm going to say is a friend of hers. So, a, f- a hand found her. Bree, Bree, calm down. It's all right. Was that Misha? Misha, Bree sobbed and let Misha draw her close. Are we going to die? Are they going to eat us? Misha was silent for a moment. I don't think so. <laughs> Bree opened her eyes and looked at Misha, who wiped Bree's tears and motioned with her head to look around. Misha looked, if anything, a little stunned. They were at the ruins. Choke Itza. She'd seen the photos at school. Perhaps the most deserted Mayan ruins, dead center of the Yucatan Peninsula. And there was Stella, sitting on a grass mat on the other side of the fire, straight across from Bree. She looked sad, but not afraid. And there, to Bree's right, was Lily and Ava, sitting together, holding hands and talking. Past them, further right, were Kayla and Noah, Kayla between Noah's legs, warming themselves by the fire. (laughs) And here, just to her left, were Miguel and Brody. Brody sat at attention, but he looked weary. And Brody sat with his back to Miguel's, so Bree couldn't see his face. When Miguel saw her looking, he smiled. A little warily, but not anything like someone trapped by monsters ought to. Awake now, came a voice, and Bree jumped. Blonde hair, medium build. A man, most definitely, and not a monster. Adam, is that you? 
He is their guide. Okay. <clears throat> yes, it's me, he said, as he walked out of one of the tunnels burrowing under what must have been the temple behind them. How are you feeling? I've been better, Bree admitted, but I think I'll live. Do you know what's going on? Here, why don't you two sit down and I'll tell you. They sat on the grass mat Bree had been lying on and stared at each other for a moment. <clears throat> I didn't want you to see the chupacabras, he began. My job, in fact, is to keep people and chupas apart. He held up a hand when Misha opened her mouth to say something. Let me finish, okay? Then you can ask me whatever you want. And no, nothing I tell you can go into any paper or journal or newspaper. What? Anyway, so everything was fine, like it always is, until we were ambushed. Yeah, somebody put spikes in the road so we'd be forced to stop. Mm -hmm. I thought it had just happened, an accident, you know. Until the thing with Levi and Stella happened. What happened? Bree breathed. Adam's face hardened. After that last stop at Agua Feo, that place where the couple gave you all those necklaces, something made the cocodrillos take some serious offense. Caco, Misha prodded, a question in her voice. Cocodrillos, Adam corrected. Oh. Yeah, that couple is part of a group who call themselves the Crocodiles, and they see their life's work as purifying the world from sin. I have no idea what set them off, but after we left, they set their trackers on us. Mm -mm. Adam lifted his face and looked to Misha, then to Bree. They killed Levi. Ah. Bree gasped and Misha grabbed her hands. Oh my God, Misha breathed. Oh God. Yeah, Adam agreed. But the chupas follow me pretty much everywhere I go. And I'll tell you this, girls. If they hadn't, every one of the rest of you would be dead. Ah. Yeah. Um, a small smile started, but then he pushed it down. Now they can fix that, he nodded towards Bree's shoulder. And I mean completely gone. But it... The saving of all of you from the edge of death, the tracking down and getting rid of all those trackers, and the fixing of the gunshot, it isn't free. The smile rose, and this time he let it. Oh, no. Do we have to pick one of us to sacrifice? <gasps> Misha know, asked what? earnestly, fear in her voice. Do they want to eat one of us? What? Bree squeezed Misha's hands. If they require someone as a sacrifice, I volunteer. No, Bree, <laughs> Misha breathed. No, I will. She looked at <laughs> Adam. like, please take I volunteer. Me. <laughs> Well, girls, it isn't like that, Adam smiled, a wicked twist to his mouth. Not exactly. What is it then? Miguel asked. Bree turned. He and Brody had come over to listen, and they stood behind Misha. Maybe unconsciously, Miguel dropped a protective hand on Misha's shoulder. Adam motioned for everyone to come, and as they did, he looked from face to face. Oh, no. I've spoken to most of you about some of this already, but you all need to hear this part. He settled back so he could see everyone. The chupas aren't human. And they aren't animals either. My guess is that they were dropped here by some alien race. They seem to be immortal, though they don't really talk about that. What they do tell me is that there aren't any females, yet they have these raging sex drives. Adam paused and smiled. Oh. And what they ask in exchange for saving your lives is this. He stopped again and looked at Misha, then Miguel, then to the others. They want to have sex with all of you. Oh. Uh. Chapter 10. The chupas want to have sex with you, Adam repeated. <laughs> Miguel stood up and stepped back, eyes big. Is this chupacabra literatica? Is this, <laughs> is, this, is this chalupa fanfic? What is happening? Yes. Did you get this from did you get this from Wattpad? I didn't. Oh, my God. <laughs> I just Googled chupacabra erotica and it came up. No, you didn't. Stop. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> I hate you. I was trying to see how long I could get into it until one of you said something. <laughs> Seriously? That's a thing? Yeah. 
I just yeah. need to read a different story. Let me unbutton my pants first. <laughs> Was this your second story? I have a real second story. Oh, my God. I want this one. Read your second story because I would still want to read mine. No, I want the chupacabra porn. <laughs> Miguel stood up Just get to the sex. Back, skip big. to the bestiality. <sighs> it's not bestiality. They're not animals. Oh. Yeah, skip to the porn. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Katie's like, um, Liz, why Let's do you want see. that? Da, da, da. Are we really safe, Adam? Bree oh, breathed God. as quietly oh, as she could. God. If it isn't safe, please let the others go, okay? I'll stay as long as you want, and you can do whatever you want with me. Ah. His hand smoothed her hair. Bree, lovely Bree, no, baby, no one is going to get hurt, I promise. He leaned in and kissed her forehead. <laughs> when he leaned back, a giant creature stood behind him. <gasps> Oh, God, Bree whispered. Tara gripped her stomach. This creature, this monster, was huge, as big as a bear. Gray skin, almost green, big yellow eyes, alien eyes. Were those spikes on the back of its head? Oh, my God. When giant hand reached out, claws as big as knives and grabbed her shoulder. Dear oh, God. that's where he's healing her. Hold on. Da, 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 yeah, I want to uh, don't care about the healing. Okay. Uh, open mouth, she looked at the creature looking down at her. Thank you, she said, and meant it. Are we going to have sex now? Oh, my God. The creature didn't nod, but she felt its need, his need, a wave of desperate angst, maybe in her mind and maybe in her belly. Bree pulled herself to her feet and stared in its face. Slowly, each breath an invitation, she peeled off her shirt. Over her head, his need pulsed. Using trembling fingers, she slid her bra down her shoulders and off, then stood so that he, he and Adam, could look at her. Adam pulled his shirt over his head, then stepped out of his shorts. He wore no underwear, and his cock was big and rock hard. Oh, (laughs) my God. Who is having sex, the chupacabra or Adam? Well, technically, the way it goes down is it's a bunch of foursomes. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this chick is having sex with Adam and two chupacabras. And then there's two guys and a girl who are having sex with a chupacabra. And then there's one girl who's having sex with, like, three chupacabras. Okay, can we get to the real second story? Oh, right. kind of like... I was invested. <laughs> you can read it later when you wait for your black-eyed children to show up. <laughs> Liz was like, my hand was already down my pants. All right, I'll read it my real it. one. Two hands. Two hands on the table. <laughs> okay, so my real second story. I hate you so much. <laughs> I needed that because I was literally, like, terrified, so... <laughs> My real one, okay, we'll get ready to be scared again, is called Kids in the Dark. I don't know who wrote this because it doesn't say. Um, Growing up poor in the deep south meant sharing a lot with my little brother, Ollie. Most often, we'd pass toys, clothes, and skin conditions between us. Ew. (laughs) Yeah. Scabies. Scabies. (laughs) Up until he was six, we even shared a bed. Neither of us was happy about that. It was my 10th birthday when that changed. I got one present that year, and it was a bed of my own. Ollie was jealous right away, and I could understand why. He had to keep that half-broken-down frame with the worn-out mattress. The one I'd gotten wasn't much better, but not being broken and worn was enough. Sleeping apart was a great feeling. It was freedom. No longer would I have to suffer the sudden and inexplicable kicks to the stomach. No longer would I wake up with Ollie's foot pressed into my neck like he'd stepped on Dracula the night before. Welcome to my life. At least that's what I'd thought. Right away, right after I got the new bed, the shriek started. At first, I thought Ollie woke up in the middle of the night and screamed because he'd gotten scared. Then the sound echoed through the tiny room again, and I knew it wasn't a normal cry. The room was always black as pitch after sunset. The one window we had was pressed against a longleaf pine. And even the biggest, brightest moon cast no light inside. 
The shriek just about drove me crazy. Every night, probably at the same exact time, these sharp yelps would knock me right out of my dreams. It wasn't my mom or dad yelling either. I knew what that sounded like, believe me. Most worrying of all was the fact that I could never tell where it was coming from. It seemed completely random. One night, it'd come from somewhere near the closet. The next, it'd shoot out from a corner of the ceiling. Any hope I'd have of having my own space would get dashed every time as Ollie would silently slip into the bed with me, shaking like crazy. He'd class onto me and wouldn't let go until it was almost daybreak. Most times, I'd take his hand and tell him everything was going to be okay, that it'd be over by morning, but I was never really sure. Over time, the shriek started changing. At first, it was only by small degrees, but eventually it took on the primal hooting sound of a primate calling out its fierce warning. I had to clasp pillows to my ears just to keep from going deaf. Mom and Dad never believed me or Ollie, basically because the thing, whatever it was, refused to make a peep when they were in the room. Apparently, they couldn't even hear it through the walls, even though it was damn sure loud enough. The shriek just got worse and worse until I felt like I couldn't take it anymore. Me and Ollie were doing really bad in school, and we just had no energy at all. I could sleep more deeply with my head propped up and eyes open in the middle of class than in my own room at night. Uh. Then, thankfully, we moved out of the house nearly a... Then, thankfully, we moved out of the house nearly a year later. I had contemplated all sorts of things even a child's clumsy concept of suicide, to get away from the horrific nightly noise. There was no problem at the next house. It was a nice, white, cookie-cutter home on a dead-end street, and I welcomed the normalcy. What's more, when we moved in, there was a bunk bed waiting for me and Ollie. No more broken bed, no more second bed I ended up having to share anyway. The only problem was deciding who'd get the top bunk. I told Ollie I deserved it. After all, I had gotten a new bed way back, and he ruined it by climbing in every night. What? He shook his head. I never did that. Stop. Mm-hmm. I had always wondered why the noise stopped the second I was sharing my bed. Now I have the answer. Ew. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> Please. Spare me. All right. I got one more, too. I'm scared. <laughs> <clears throat> this one's called The Russian Sleep Experiment. Fucking gross. Um, and it's written by Anonymous. Oh, the group. Just kidding. Oh, I was like, holy shit. Are you friends with him? (laughs) Yes, we're best friends. Russian researchers in the late 1940s kept five people awake for 15 days using an experimental gas-based stimulant. They were kept in a sealed environment to carefully monitor their oxygen intake, so the gas didn't kill them since it was toxic in high concentrations. This was before closed-circuit cameras, so they only had microphones in five-inch thick glass porthole-sized windows into the chamber of monitor to monitor them. The chamber was stocked with books, cots to sleep on, but no bedding, running water in a toilet, and enough dried food to last all five for over a month. The test subjects were political prisoners deemed enemies of the state during World War II. Everything was fine for the first five days. The subjects hardly complained, having been promised, falsely, that they would be freed if they submitted to the test and did not sleep for 30 days. Their conversations and activities were monitored, and it was noted that they continued to talk about increasingly traumatic incidences in their past, and the general tone of their conversations took on a darker aspect after the four-day mark. After five days, they started to complain about the circumstances and events that led them to where they were and started to demonstrate severe paranoia. They stopped talking to each other and began alternately whispering to the microphones and one-way mirrored portholes. 
Oddly, they all seemed to think they could win the trust of the experimenters by turning over their comrades, the other subjects in captivity with them. At first, the researchers suspected this was an effect of the gas itself. After nine days, the first of them started screaming. He ran the length of the chamber repeatedly yelling at the top of his lungs for three hours straight. Ah! He continued attempting to scream, but was only able to produce occasional squeaks. The researchers postulated that he had physically torn his vocal cords. (gasps) The most surprising thing about this behavior is how the other captives reacted to it, or rather, didn't react to it. They continued whispering to the microphones until the second of the captives started to scream. The two non-screaming captives took the books apart, smeared pages after page with their own feces, and pasted them calmly over the glass portholes. The screaming promptly stopped. So did the whispering to the microphones. Mm -mm. After three more days passed, so they're on day 12 now. No. The researchers checked the microphones hourly to make sure they were working, Uh. since they thought it is impossible that no sound could be coming with five people inside. The oxygen consumption in the chamber indicated that all five must still be alive. In fact, it was the amount of oxygen five people would consume at a very heavy level of strenuous exercise. On the morning of the 14th day, the researchers did something they said they would not do to get a reaction from the captives. Mm -mm. They used the intercom inside the chamber, hoping to provoke any response from the captives they were afraid were either dead or vegetables. That's scary. They announced... We are opening the chamber to test the microphones. Step away from the door and lie flat on the floor, or you will be shot. (gasps) Compliance will earn one of you your immediate freedom. To their surprise, they heard a single phrase in a calm voice response. We no longer want to be freed. No. Debate broke out among the researchers and the military forces funding the research. Unable to provoke any more response using the intercom, it was finally decided to open the chamber at midnight on the 15th day. The chamber was flushed of the stimulant gas and filled with fresh air, and immediately voices from the microphones began to object. Three different voices began begging, as if pleading for the life of loved ones to turn the gas back on. Oh my God. The chamber was opened, and soldiers sent in to retrieve the test subjects. They began to scream louder than ever, and so did the soldiers, when they saw what was inside. Four of the five subjects were still alive, although no one could rightly call the state of any of them in life. The food rations past day five had not been so much as touched. What? There were chunks of meat from the dead test subjects' thighs and chests stuffed into the drain in the center of the chamber, blocking the drain and allowing four inches of water to accumulate on the floor. Precisely how much of the water on the floor was actually blood was never determined. (gasps) All four surviving test subjects also had large portions of muscle and skin torn away from their bodies. The destruction of flesh and exposed bone on their fingertips indicated that the wounds were inflicted by hand, not with teeth as the researchers initially thought. Closer examination of the position and angles of the wounds indicated that most, if not all of them, were (gasps) self-inflicted. The abdominal organs below the rib cage of all four test subjects had been removed. While the heart, lungs, and diaphragm remained in place, the skin and most of the muscles attached to the ribs had been ripped off, exposing the lungs through the rib cage. What? All the blood vessels and organs remained intact. They had just been taken out and laid on the floor, fanning out around the eviscerated but still living bodies of the subjects. The digestive tract of all four could be seen to be working, digesting food. 
it quickly became apparent that what they that what they were digesting was their own flesh that they had ripped off and eaten over the course of days. Most of the soldiers were Russian special operatives at the facility, but still many refused to return to the chamber to remove the test subjects. They continued to scream to be left in the chamber and alternately begged and demanded that the gas be turned back on, lest they fall asleep. To everyone's surprise, the test subjects put up a fierce fight in the process of being removed from the chamber. One of the Russian soldiers died from having his throat ripped out. Another was gravely injured by having his testicles ripped off and an artery in his leg severed by one of the subject's teeth. Another five of the soldiers lost their lives, if you count ones that committed suicide in the weeks following the incident. You're welcome. (laughs) Jesus Christ. And I'm done. Ruskies. Good God. (laughs) What? I don't feel so good, Mr. <laughs> Stark. Don't me to creep you out. I'm creeped. Do you guys want me to close it out with one more story? Kinda. Are we gonna shit our pants? Probably. I'm ready to be scared now. Okay. And then the pounding started, exactly like she loved it and needed it. The way she dreamed it when she (laughs) masturbated. Hard, deep, fucking her hard. So hard. One hand on her back, forcing her down (laughs) to take every inch. Heaven held no pleasure like this. Every inch of chalupa? (laughs) And then a dick was pressed against her lips. She tried to open her eyes. kind of dick? But all there was to see was a sea of gray. So Chupacabra and opened her lips. A dick, a big one, pushed inside and began fucking her mouth. Hard and so deep that she could barely breathe when it banged against the back of her throat. Her clitoris exploded. What does Chupacabra semen taste like? All, all, around, all around her sex. Dirty, dirty sex. The kind of sex she loved. Misha Misha was sitting upright in some kind of swing thing, being fucked in the, the front by Brody and in the back by a chupa. Somehow, with exquisite rhythm, Miguel was fucking Brody while he fucked Misha. Oh Watching God. made Lust no. squeeze her pussy, yes. but before she could even begin the thought, a cock pushed into it again. A big one, so big it almost hurt. Okay. Over there, a total of six chupas had every hole in Lily and Ava covered, all in one big pile. And on the other side, four chupas fucked Kayla. Two on her ass end, one in her mouth, and she was Two. masturbating another. Two! <laughs> Ow! <laughs> it goes on like a few more pages. Do you read this to Kat every night? <laughs> All right, Jeez. babe, you ready to get in the mood? <laughs> Chupacabra erotica. That's your favorite. Come chupa. Come the chupacabra. Liz, are you okay? Liz is shut down. I feel unsafe in my own chair. There's a big dick chupacabra coming straight for you. You throw up. (laughs) That was the closest I've ever come to like throwing up from something. I want Richard to come up to you and be like, You ready for this chupacabra dick? <laughs> that will be the last time you ever see Richard. I can tell you that. Will I banish him or will I murder him? 
<laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <clears throat> I am ashamed to say I did have to like read through that just to like see where the good parts were. Cause I had to be like, I can't read this whole thing to them. When does the fucking start? When did you look that up? Just now? No, uh, no, I've been prepping all week for this. God, I hate <laughs> I have been waiting all week to read you guys Chupacabra porn. I, for one, have never been more terrified of porn. <laughs> it's really what this episode was about. Also, my own research. Yeah, yeah. Were you guys scared? I can just see Liz very, researching it and just being typing. <laughs> I I was typing it at a Starbucks and she looks and out I the was window. Like, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, I was a little bit scared when I went up to like close the windows because I noticed the front door was unlocked. <gasps> it's okay, your door is ridiculously hard to open anyways. It is. It is because this is it's not even an old house. This house is like Younger than me. Well, you know what I notice whenever we keep our windows. <laughs> that means oh, nothing. <laughs> whenever you open your windows, um, when the air starts to drop, it like causes a lot of friction in between like mm. the doors and the. Tell me more um, about friction. <laughs> Ours like whenever it rains, like it swells. Yeah. So it gets harder to open when like the house gets damp, and since Cat pressure washed half of the house, should like, she have done that? Yeah. Okay. You should see how good it looks. Unlike the right half. <laughs> but we do need to treat it now. Anyway. Owning a home sucks. Ugh. Well, I mean, sorry. I hope we scared y'all just as about as much as we scared each other. <clears throat> I hope so. Um, I mean, hopefully you weren't driving and, no. like, wrecked yeah. your car. Yeah. If yeah. You don't are... listen to this at night. And if you already did, I'm sorry. If you are driving, don't look in your rearview mirror because you might just see blackness. That, too. Mm-mm-mm. Although, if you look there and you don't see, like, trees or something, like, mm, whatever. If you see just blackness in your rearview mirror, just, like, slam on your brakes and give a little, try do a little swervy action to make sure there's not something actually on the back of your car. Also, just don't safety send um, random letters on balloons. No. No. Don't, yeah. don't encourage your kids to do it. If no. a friend's going to do it, tell them not to do it. Also, just go finish that six-part series because it's so worth it yeah nobody, i'm gonna nobody needs to know your full name or your address or anything about you no and let me just say it. the next part of that is called boxes and it's basically about them having to leave their house oh. holy fuck so, okay i'm just gonna leave it at that because you can't uh, it's Jesus. it's such a bizarre story I. it's so bizarre i'm down i will totally read it I'll probably read it more than listening because I like reading. Because I like reading. I like reading. Yeah, you can read the whole thing. Sweet. On, um, no sleep. Online. Also, don't ever open your door for anyone ever of any age. No. No. Like, we're millennials now. We don't open our door for anyone. <laughs> Liz is going to order DoorDash. And they're going to come to the door. She's like, I'm not opening it. Who? Just leave it. She's like, who are you? Are you really my DoorDash? I don't smell Taco Bell. Leave me I at the put door on my delivery specifications only send drivers over 20. <laughs> well, they're kids. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But then they could just fake an adult voice. They're like, hello, ma'am. I've got your I have DoorDash. a peephole. 
I'm not afraid to use it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Nobody should ever not like, I. well, I guess I kind of have one, but it's like a glass thing and you can see me. It's creepy. That is creepy. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I don't answer my door ever. If I'm like, I will, I will do a tuck and roll behind my couch and hide until the person leaves. People come to your house? Do you do that? Amazon deliveries and stuff. And yes, I do that. Oh my god. You do that for the delivery people? Yes. Have you ever had somebody come to your house, it wasn't Amazon, and knock on your door? There's no way. Only once. Only once, and it was the brother of the guy who used to live here. Well, if you guys were half as scared as I was, I would highly encourage you to rate, review, and subscribe. Mm -hmm. You can find us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Yeah, and give us some five-star reviews. Counteract that, that... Weird one-star review. One star yeah. review. What a jerk. But everyone else is giving five-star reviews. <laughs> yes. Thanks. Keep it up. As they should. <laughs> For real. And you can also find us on Stitcher and SoundCloud. And anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Pretty I think sure. that's it. Yeah. There's Eventually, at one point, we should try doing it on YouTube. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, funny that would be. <clears throat> I can actually uh, do that. I can turn our podcast into, like, a video. Disable the comments. Why? People are going to be such assholes. Well, yeah, but, you know. Yeah. Then we just comment back and say, your mom hates you. I'm good at this. <laughs> <clears throat> also, you can follow us on Instagram at Conspiracy Podcast ATL. And Twitter at The Conspiracy. Yes. Both of which we post fun stuff all the time. Yeah, we have a Facebook, and, like, a lot of people liked it, but, like, no one really does anything there, <laughs> so... I just monitor it, basically. Yeah. Make sure she gets rid of the inappropriate content. Yes. Yeah. Which, true. I mean, listen to Katie's voice, the one that makes you want to leave inappropriate content, apparently. What? Uh, apparently, your chupacabra porn is what's really going to get the creeps. I can read chupacabra porn in my ASR, ASMR whisper. <clears throat> yeah. I would literally want, rather die. If you want to hear uh, Katie do ASMR as, of- As Miguel came of, up behind whatever the fuck that guy's name was. And he thrusted his big, hard chupacabra cock inside. And then Wait, that is one, Miguel a chupacabra? I don't know, but then that, but then that one bitch <laughs> had two chupacabra dicks in her butthole at one time. <laughs> See, if you want to Is hear... your butthole burning now? Mine is, too. Fuck yeah. Yeah. So do we want to say happy Halloween to... Oh, yeah. Um, also, if you have any story ideas, you can totally tell us. We may or may not read it, but you can email us at conspiratypod at gmail.com. Yes, or if there's any topic you want us to talk about, um, if you just can't wait for me to tell you guys about how 9-11 was an inside job, you can tell me that too. I swear to God. It's okay, we're gonna- Steel beams! No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) We're gonna- We'll cover it at some point. We'll cover it at some point. Also, do we want to do Happy Halloween, like, at the same time? Yeah. Is that saying bye? Well, I think... Let's do a quick... Okay. All right. Okay. Um, So, thank you guys for listening. Thank you so much. And we will talk to you next week. Yes. We can't wait. What we're talking about next time is going to be super fun. Not next week. I'll be in Salem. Week after next. (laughs) 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 We can't wait to talk to you uh, next time. Yes. Happy Halloween! Halloween. Bye. I just want to do God's will.
dust to dust. But I want you to know. 